Hi friends, this is Matt, and this is episode 6 of the Something From Everything podcast. Thank you for listening. This one is called Of Parts and the Whole. And I'm so excited to share it with you. I've been trying to write something similar to this post for quite a while now. And it is a reflection on this current moment, and I know that is a loaded term, um, but here's what I mean. Right now, we all, all of us on planet Earth, are in the throes a reaction to this uh, coronavirus, but not just that, of course, right? Because along with that comes government restrictions, increased spending, um, fear and apprehension over what the virus is, and differing beliefs on how severe the virus is and what the appropriate response to it should be. And there is lots and lots of opinion. We all have opinions. And part of this post is, of course we do, of course we do. This is affecting all of us. But what do we do when we come across opinions online that just make our blood boil? Now, it's one thing if these are strangers, we can happily mute them or walk away from such arguments. But when they are very good friends and family members, people whom we love, what do we do with that discomfort then? And what do we do with that tendency within us to make an other out of somebody else, to reinforce our position by diminishing somebody else. Well, that's what this post is all about. So let's get to it. This is of parts and the whole. He's your friend. He's your friend. He's your friend. I repeat the phrase to myself like a mantra. Familiar words that have lost all meaning in the present moment. I'm trying to remember them. It's late at night, and I'm a few beers in, a little drunk, staring at my phone at the latest graphic my friend has uploaded to his social feed. Something about the ridiculousness of our latest restrictions, or how the virus has a stunningly low mortality rate. About how this is all blown out of proportion. It's the third post from him that evening to similar effect. He's obviously on a tear, and I, like moth to a flame, like dog to vomit, keep returning. (laughs) My hand hovers over the reply button. I'm just inhibited enough, uninhibited enough to start a fight, or rise to one. My wife takes away my phone. You're drunk, and he is our friend. And she's right, of course, on both counts. The next day, I return with clearer eyes, but my mood isn't much better. In my absence, others, whose partners did not physically remove their phones, had responded to my friend's assertions. And a back and forth has developed. These stats versus those. This infringement of rights versus that benefit. All of it loaded. All of it tense. And it's tense for me, too. It's personal. I've been witnessing increasing numbers of confirmed cases return to the hospital with shortness of breath, and I had just received an email from my child's school informing me that a student there is infected. That was our first email. But for many of our friends, this has been occurring regularly these days. It's become personal for all of us. The once distant threat is more real than ever. 
here now, and revealing itself daily. So too our anxiety and fear is showing itself daily. Each and every conversation is stubbornly fixated on this virus, the new governmental restrictions, or the uncertain near future. My online social feeds are shouting. Most of the shouting reinforces my echo chamber, of course. Memes that show what an intubation procedure looks like in case you find a cloth mask uncomfortable. Stories of those who have unexpectedly lost loved ones during this pandemic and could not be at their bedside. Doctors and nurses pleading with their friends, families, and communities to follow the precautions outlined or mandated for their safety. But occasionally, a break in the echo chamber comes through. And these posts are grating, abrasive. They're posts that imply that all my worry, caution, and potential danger to myself and my family is overblown. And they're posts from my family and friends. I respond to my friend's post as rationally and empathetically as I'm able to in that moment, and a back and forth of our own develops, but after multiple exchanges, we are no closer to agreement. And even with my best arguments, he is not miraculously converted to my line of thinking, which makes you wonder, what is the point of all the shouting and shaming when we intuitively know it will do little to change minds and hearts? I text my friend, we should go for a walk. And my friend agrees, a little fresh air and sunlight would do us, us both a world of good. I'm nervous before going on the walk, but we don't immediately discuss our views on the virus or his recent posts. That's not how real life works. We make some small talk. It's been a couple months since we've seen each other face to face. We talk about our partners and children. We talk about our jobs. We talk about how we miss seeing groups of people. <laughs> we talk about how heartbreaking and frustrating it is to find a community to belong to and suddenly be unable to meet face to face. We talked about how the use of sanitizer in our schools causes both of our children to develop sores and inflammation on their hands. We talk about what fear does to a culture and how hard it is to connect with another when we are suspicious that they or ourselves might have a deadly virus in tow. We talk about how keeping people at a physical distance creates a mental distance as well. We talk about how hope deferred makes the heart sick. We find a great deal that we connect on. Eventually, we discuss his posts, our viewpoints on the virus, and our responses to it. And in talking with him, I realize, maybe for the first time, how raw and exposed I feel, how personally I took those posts. There is a lot that I disagree with. We come from incompatible starting points and therefore expect wildly different outcomes. We both place reliance on data that we cannot individually prove and authenticate. We differ greatly on who we trust and whose data we rely upon. We do not come to a complete agreement. But the walk was never about that. The walk, I realize, has far less to do with convincing my friend that he is wrong than it does convincing myself that we are still good friends. And we are still good friends. Because for a bright, sunlit December morning traipsing around the back hills 
of our city and countryside, I saw my whole friend. Now, this is obvious, and you probably don't need me reminding you, but what we see online of each other is not the full person. These are snapshots curated by creator and platform alike and removed from the context of real life. Now, lots of people more intelligent and articulate than myself have explored this phenomenon, and long before we ever heard the names coronavirus or COVID-19, those who study human behavior have been raising the alarm that social media often leaves us, creates unrealistic, false, and socially destructive images of each other. That it leaves us feeling more isolated and disconnected, not less. But in our isolation right now, it feels like all we have. And compounding this, we are desperately focused on this singular, complex, and unfolding event. Our news feeds and socials are saturated with posts about a virus with unprecedented spread and death toll in our lifetime. We are reading about and discussing new vaccine technologies which the world has never seen. And we are debating the credibility of data that we have never before considered. We are posting our opinions about how we are collectively incurring, incurring deficits in the billions. Now, some of us, some of us are acting as if we really are covertly trained economists, politicians, epidemiologists, virologists, pharmacologists, and health officers. But even those of us who begrudgingly admit our ignorance in these matters we're still ready and willing to shout our opinions on social media. On my long walk with my friend, it occurred to me that what we are currently discussing is no less than life, liberty, and the security of person. The stakes are that high for me, but for my friend as well, despite our very different take on the present moment. It's natural that we would all want to have a say in these matters even when they are out of our depth. And this can be infuriating when we read opinions and conclusions that are contrary to our own or discount our own first-hand experience, but it is not unexpected. So many of the critiques of policy that I've come across highlight a perceived failure of balance, a focus on the particular part but at the, at the expense of the whole. Small businesses that are shuttered while big box stores continue to operate, resulting in a future economy further monopolized by the biggest players. Restrictions and reductions on elective surgeries, which allow redeployment of resources, but come at the cost of personal pain and complications from the delay. A government offers emergency funds, but saddles billions of dollars of debt on our children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren and so on. It's difficult to convey the whole of a thing online. We don't tend to, to see a whole lot of memes that convey the difficulty of balancing both life and liberty. The whole is less about shouting, more about dialogue. Now I can agree with these restrictions, and I do, and still be aware of the overall cost of them. In fact, I should. We should all be able to live with some complexity and nuance. The whole of a thing is always messy, complicated, full of contradictions and compromises. But so are we. In a moment when we are only seeing a part of each other, it's easy for us to mistake it for the whole. 
And we are not our most recent Facebook post or Instagram story. Those that we have invited into our lives, we have invited for a reason. The whole person is important to us as we are to them. Remembering a person's wholeness doesn't mean that the truth matters less or that boundaries are not important. Of course they are. It's simply a refusal to reduce somebody to their sharpest edges. It is a generous humility of remembering our common struggles. It is being gracious with another as to allow disagreement and complexity. And humility, generosity, and grace, those are things we need more than ever right now. Well, friends, there you are. That one was entitled Of Parts and the Whole. The music at the end is Kai Engel's Laburnum off of their album Chapter 4, Fall. It is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution License, and you can find this and other tracks of Kai's at freemusicarchive.org. Photo credit goes to jackmac34, found on pixabay.com. And if you like reading more than listening, then I'm a little confused and impressed that you've made it this far. (laughs) But you can find written posts uh, with full hyperlinks as well as these audio recordings at somethingfromeverything.com. While you're there, if you hit the subscribe button, I can let you know when I have a new post or something else exciting or noteworthy. And if you prefer video over reading and listening, good news, I'm working on moving this podcast to YouTube as well, where you can watch me read into a camera like a weirdo. (laughs) And since we've just covered some of the evils and shortcomings of social media, you can find me there on Facebook and Instagram by searching for something from Everything Podcast. And if you enjoy this podcast, please share it with someone you you think might enjoy it as well. And if you're listening on an Apple device, would you consider taking a moment to rate and review the podcast? It really helps the podcast stand out so that others can find and enjoy it. I really do appreciate all the feedback, all the shares, all the support from all these different formats. Thank you again for listening. Be kind to yourself this holiday season. Be kind to others. Let's keep trying to extend generosity and grace as we create something from everything. And friends, we'll talk again in 2021. Take care.